everyone's idea of a dream job takes on different forms. For some, a dream job is just that. Everything they've ever wanted all wrapped up nicely into something that they get paid to do. For others, a dream job might be a job or form of employment that pays them to do something they enjoy. And for some, a dream job could be a little more mundane, just something that pays the bills, steady and reliable. But one thing remains true for every dream job. It's never perfect. From the Auburn Plainsman, this is Sweet 1111. I'm Collins Keith, podcast editor for The Plainsman. This week, podcast writer Katie Carroll and I will be talking to two Auburn graduates who are in their dream jobs to hear about their experiences and to find out if their dream job is just that. Stay with us. Hey, this is Evan Melans, online editor of the Auburn Plainsman. I just want to remind everyone, if you'd like to support this organization and our podcast team, you can log on to theplainsman.com and click on the button in the upper right-hand corner that says Donate. You'll be supporting over 127 years of local, editorially independent journalism right here in Auburn. Once again, that's theplainsman.com and click on the button in the upper right-hand corner that says Donate. Thank you so much in advance, and now back to the show. Ace Atkins grew up in Auburn. He went to both high school and college here. And ever since he was young, he was passionate about books. His dream job? Becoming a novelist. After graduating, he had no opportunity to pursue his passion. But with his mom worrying whether he would live in her basement forever, he finally made a few good connections and got a job. Sports writing for the St. Petersburg Times. And I think I was probably in the position that a lot of um, people getting out of college, uh, what they're facing is they want to do a specific job, but they don't have the experience to do it yet. And I, it was really hard for me to kind of wrap my head around having to take jobs that I did not want to do uh, until I had the skills to be able to do something that, that I really was passionate about. Through all of this, his dream stayed the same. He'd had people sit him down and tell him, you can't do this. This isn't a career. It will not pay the bills. He stayed single-minded. And now, he's a published author, with over 30 books and a movie adaptation. He's been writing fiction for 20 years now. And, in many ways, his job is just as he thought it would be. He spends much of his year holed up, writing away at his next novel, and that's how he likes it. The most attractive thing about being a writer to me is getting to be left alone much much of the time and to be a hermit and not have to go out there. But I have adapted myself into being able to um, do that when it's necessary. By going out there, he means giving talks and meeting people who liked his books, which is still a part of his job that he likes. A veteran that he met a year or two ago told him that while he was in the hospital recuperating from his injuries, he would read Atkins' Quinn Colson book series, and it took his mind off of things. He's met fans from England and Australia, people he couldn't have imagined caring about the Southern fiction genre. And, uh, you know, it's just crazy. I write about this one, you know, mainly write about this one county in Mississippi, and to have it being read, you know, in, in Japan or wherever is, a, is kind of a cool thing. His work has also been different than he imagined it would be in other ways, ways that have changed over time. When he published his first four books, he said no one even knew what an ebook was. Now, fans of his can finish one book, press just a few buttons, and start reading the next one. For Atkins, books that are coming out soon are already old to him. 
He said he's already working on novels that are scheduled to come out in 2022 and 2023. He always looks forward, looking to what comes next, and doesn't tend to stay for long on a book once he's done with it. There's always room for improvement. There's always a way of looking at what I've done and how can I do it better? How can I write a better book? And I think that if it didn't have that, I, I wouldn't, um, it wouldn't be as much fun. I think the challenge of trying to, to up your game and trying to improve is the draw for me. The mindset he's developed, where he's always working on what's next and never stops to smell the roses, builds up a lot of pressure, which can take a toll on mental health, he said. I think when you're a creative type, um, the the pressure is is different uh, than is if you're doing another type of work um, where you can physically, you know, I can go outside and do physical labor and just push myself to do that physical labor. But the creative side is not something you can make your make yourself do. You can't push yourself to be more creative. There's a fair bit of competition in the industry as well. Someone else is getting buzz. They're being recognized for their work, and you just can't at all see why. He said that as a creative, you just have to come to terms with the fact that how your work is perceived is out of your hands. Once you hand it over, it's probably better to go ahead and focus on what you can make next, what you can control. Would you say you feel called to be an author, that you've always felt called to be an author? Um. I think I've gotten a little bit more socially conscious uh, as the, the times have moved on. I think that uh, that's not necessarily me um, changing. I just think that the, the the world has changed so much that I think that you you know things have gotten a lot more dire and a lot more important. And I, I mean, I rem- remember reading people you know like about Hemingway and and uh, th- that would talk about in the 1930s like the dangers of fascism, and and I thought that was so. Uh, old, you know, I thought that was something out of a textbook or something that, that, you know, what a strange time that they were living in. And, um, you know, but that stuff has come back around. I, I would have never thought that some of the things that the, the rottenness that we're seeing in America would be freely out there and being embraced by so many Americans. I, I could have never imagined that kind of stuff back when I was at Auburn in the nineties. Um, so I think that it calls for, if you are in the business, if you are a writer, I think it's part, it's important for you to put it in your stories and uh, important for you to take that stuff on. And it, it motivates me. You know, I, I don't really, I think hopefully my stories are entertaining and fun and, and um, you know, but that's, that's really just the, the coat hanger to be able to, 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 to talk about some important issues. And that's a big motivator for me. But um, you know, as far as early on, I, I wouldn't say I necessarily was like had a calling that I felt like I had all this stuff to say. I really got into it because I just, I loved books and I loved a particular kind of book, um, which was something really uh, like a classic crime novel, something, a detective story. I loved those books and I loved what they could do. I loved that they could, you know, talk about a lot of different issues and you could get a lot of things into them. Um, and uh, I just knew that that's what I wanted to do. Those were the kind of stories I wanted to tell. Who doesn't love a good crime story? What Atkins loves about what he does isn't in the end about creating a gritty, true crime aesthetic, but creating a method to talk about important issues. Fiction gives authors the creative control to set the terms and boundaries of their world, and Atkins wants to create a world that encourages his readers to be skeptical, to try and see the world as it truly is. I think a lot, I think particularly in the, in the South, and you'll understand this growing up in the South, is I think you're, you're expected so much just to accept the way things are, uh, to believe in people, to trust people. 
to take people at face value. The one thing that really motivates me too is I think that Southerners are taught um, not to talk about unpleasant subjects, you know, and not to talk about things, not to discuss what's wrong in the society is just to pretend like it doesn't exist, that ugliness is not there. And so again, um, you know, a long storytelling tradition. I'm not comparing me to these people, but these are people who have influenced me and motivated me. People like William Faulkner and, and, um, you know, talking about Flannery O'Connor and, and, you know, great Southern storytelling. Robert Penn Warren is the, the, the plain unvarnished truth. And, um, that's a lot of fun to write about. Great Southern storytelling, he said, is the plain unvarnished truth. And he gets to tell it. We've talked about an established graduate who's had the privilege of time to reach where he wanted to go. But a more pertinent story for soon-to-be college graduates is, perhaps, someone who just graduated and is figuring out how their career that they've been studying and preparing for for years feels once they finally get there. Sometimes, a dream job isn't necessarily specific. As a freshman, Ali Alfren, who graduated from Auburn in 2020, switched his major around a couple times before he settled on chemical engineering which he stuck with for the remainder of his time at Auburn. I actually changed my major three times during freshman year. But at the end of freshman year, it was like, actually by the end of first semester, so I changed it all during my first semester. Uh, by the end of that, it was definitely chemical engineering. So I came to Auburn in uh, nursing. And then I think one of my, yeah, so one of the introductory classes was Chem 1. And I realized, oh, like, I kind of like chemistry. Like, this is kind of interesting. Like, science and stuff is kind of cool. And so uh, I talked to my advisor and she was like, oh, like, I talked to her about what my interests are and everything like that. And she said, oh, like, honestly, engineering might be right for you. Um, and so I looked into it. And then the first thing that popped in my head was mechanical engineering, just because it was the most common one. Uh, so I switched to mechanical within, like, my first month at Auburn. Um, and then towards the end of the semester, it's all, it all happened in my chemistry class. Towards the end of my semester, I was like, okay, this chemistry class is actually really, really cool. Uh, I want to take more chemistry classes. And I, like, talked to my advisor about it. And she was like, oh, like, well, actually, in mechanical, you only have to take the one, like, uh, chem one or whatever. And I was like, well, that's a bummer. Like, what major do I have to be to, like, take them all? And she was like, well, you're probably looking at chemical engineering. And so that was the sole, like, background into me choosing chemical engineering. Ali who was born in the Middle East but has lived in Birmingham since middle school, said that no one in his family has ever done anything STEM-related. So when he told them he switched to chemical engineering solely off of a single chemistry class, they thought he was a little crazy. While there are definitely some times where he thought he made the wrong choice, in the end, he's glad he followed through. And throughout multiple points, I actually like thought I might have regretted it, you know, like, uh, especially junior year. Junior year's really rough. Uh, I'm not saying that scare you, it's just, it's just how it is. And then my first semester in senior design, I was like, whoa, I'm in way over my head. This is terrifying. Um, but I'm really glad I stuck with it. I mean, it ended up being super rewarding. When it came time to graduate, Ali had an offer at a company lined up. But as COVID took hold in late March and early April, he received an email from the company which basically stated that his offer was being held until October due to the company's decreased performance due to COVID. And I like kind of went into like full panic mode because in my head, I was like, I can't really not have a job until October. Uh, and I don't really have like any family that lives nearby. So I'm not an international student. I'm a U.S. citizen and all that, but my parents do live abroad. They moved back uh, to the Middle East. And so I really didn't have like a backup plan other than, you know, moving back with them, which wasn't really an option for me. 
Uh, so I've applied to a whole bunch of jobs and it's really rough because even if like there were job offers, like I would be applying to jobs and then I get an email that's like, Hey, sorry, we didn't take this down because of COVID. This job offer is no longer valid. Uh, and thankfully I did end up get, uh, I got a few interviews, but I did end up getting a job offer in May. The job offer that Ali ended up getting was for a startup paper company based in Shreveport, Louisiana. Ali works in the water treatment section as an operating engineer, where he oversees a process that cleans up upwards of 600,000 gallons of water per day. About, I don't know, 1,100 tons of paper per day, and that uses about 600,000 gallons of water per day. Uh, And obviously when you bring the paper in from the city, it's clean water, or I'm sorry, paper. When you bring the water in from the city, it's clean water. But when you actually use it for your paper process, so many chemicals go into making paper so much starch, so much just actual biological, mechanical things go into that water that you're using that by the time you're done with it, uh, you like just can't, you know, toss it in the river or whatever. And it is a biological plant. That's the main aspect of my job. I deal with a biological reactor that like takes the water and gets rid of all the I guess to like super simplify it, all the bad stuff that's in the waters, breaks down all the chemicals, uh, discharges clean water, and then also all the bad stuff turns into gas, so it discharges bad gas. And then there's a secondary biological system that takes in the bad gas, cleans it up, makes sure it's safe, and then we can either like flare it, because at that point it's safe to flare, or the mill actually likes, the paper mill actually likes to reuse it for their boiler to like heat up the paper. So he can like send it back to the paper mill, do like a full recycle loop type thing. In his undergraduate studies, Ali was exposed to a wide variety of concepts, but no class or professor went into a large amount of depth with any topic in particular, he said. One side of his job that he's enjoyed is the level of specialization in his field that he gets from his work as an operating engineer, specifically specializing in water. But one thing I really like about, I guess, my current job, I work a lot with water, is just it makes me realize just how much i don't know about very specific topics and just like if you asked me 10 months ago before i had this job about anything about water i couldn't tell you but i love how like just getting tossed in industry really uh i don't know you learn about things that like you never think about like i would be walking around uh not at work just walking around hanging out with my friends like looking at a water source or like walking by a lake or something and i'd like be able to like look at the water and tell them things about it like oh like looking at the color like looking at the clarity i can tell you this i can tell you that or like i can like smell the water and like tell them about different properties about it uh which sometimes they look at me and they think i'm crazy but it's just like it's cool things that like you learn to specialize in something really quickly and chances are it's something that the other people around you aren't really specialized in uh I don't know, it just like, it makes you realize there's so much more to it than just what you learn in the classroom. While he likes the field of industry that he's in, one thing that Ali has had to learn the hard way was how to balance both his work and his life, something that was especially important during quarantine, when he began work. At the end of every interview that he'll ever be in for the rest of his life, Ali said he's going to make a point to ask about the work-life balance. Because I feel like working in industry, and especially in the manufacturing industry where even when I leave work, like I work at it for a chemical process, like a water uh, biological process. Like I'm not at work right now. I love to work, but the process is still going on and we don't have like a night shift. The work never really ends. And someone is always expected to kind of be like 
in charge of it. So when I leave work every day, it's not like, okay, leave work. We'll see, you know, we'll pick right back up tomorrow morning. Like I leave work and I'm like logging into my computer once every three hours or something, like just checking on my process, making sure everything's still going. It's very easy for a job to kind of like take over your life, especially early on in your career because you really want to excel, you really want to prove yourself. But it's easy to like sit back at the end of the week and be like, okay, like outside of work, what else did I do? Uh, and some weeks uh, I work so much that it's just like, I really didn't do anything, you know, like I got home, played video games with a couple of friends for like an hour and then that's it. I went to like work the next day. And uh, it's just, it's th- that particular thing comes with the territory of working in a manufacturing job. But looking back, I think that's something that I didn't realize was very important to me. And I never really wondered about a work-life balance. But if I ever do look into changing careers or uh, job titles or whatever, that's something that's going to be much more important to me. This blurring of the lines between work and life is so pertinent in Ali's life that while he gets off work at 3, just to be safe, he told me he would be free to meet around 6.30, just in case something came up. And he was right. Sure enough, something at work came up that caused him to stay until 6. So it's just like I can never really schedule things during the week because uh, I never really know when, you know, I am free and even weekends. So I can get a call from one of my coworkers like, hey, this just went wrong. Like, my reactor is speaking up. Uh, I really can't handle it on my own. And I'd be like, okay, yeah, I'm on my way. When Ali moved out to Shreveport when he took the job, he knew next to nothing about the town. All of his friends lived in Birmingham, Auburn, or Nashville, and with quarantine, he didn't take the time to explore the city, which he says ended up being a lot more interesting than he initially thought. Because I, like, I relied so much on hanging out with my friends that didn't live in Shreveport. Like, I would, if it was a weekend that I wasn't working, chances are I wasn't in Shreveport. I was either in like Birmingham or Auburn or Nashville or one of the places where my friend lived, uh, just hang out with them. Uh, and just forcing myself to actually stay in town on weekends and like kind of explore the city and kind of meet people around uh, definitely helped. And then we've been uh, slowly transitioning of everyone back in the office instead of like everyone working from home, unless you have to not be at home uh, and actually meeting some of the people that I've been working with for like such a long time in person for the first time. I'm like, oh, like they're actually kind of cool people. Like I misjudged when I first met them. Uh, that has definitely helped as well. Uh but I mean, yeah, it was, it was really rough to begin with. I'm not going to share code. It was not a fun time. Despite some hardships and difficulties, Ali is thankful that he stuck with his studies in college. While his job might not be perfect, he encourages those in situations similar to the one that he was in during college to see it through. But one thing that someone once told me that like holds more true than I ever realized was if you're like in your chemical engineering, or not necessarily chemical engineering, maybe it's just like an engineering general classes, and I mean, you're doing well, but you just don't think that it's going to be what you want to do, like for a career or anything. It's so versatile. Engineering is so versatile just because you don't necessarily like any of your classes. Cause there are some classes where I like would look at this material and I'd be like, if I ever have to do this in actual real life, I don't want to do this whole career thing. Uh, but just because like the major doesn't really reflect the actual work and you shouldn't really let, if you ever have any doubts about your class or anything like that, you shouldn't really let that uh, defer you from pursuing the major, I guess.
From the Auburn Plainsman, this has been Sweet 1111. I'm Collins Keith, signing off.